When it comes to maximizing time in the uplands, without fail, Onyx Hunt is my most valuable tool. From planning my next hunt through a new bird cover to navigating in the field, Onyx Hunt is truly with me wherever I go. With detailed mapping and satellite imagery, along with a multitude of map layers from land access to forestry and habitat information and easy-to-use tools to mark, measure, and catalog important information, Onyx Hunt seamlessly integrates digital scouting with boots-on-the-ground time in the field. With offline mapping and Apple CarPlay integration, you are free to explore the wild landscapes our beloved upland birds inhabit. Planning your next move in the uplands begins with knowing where you stand, and for me, that starts and stops with Onyx Hunt. Download the Onyx Hunt app today and use the promo code BSP20 to save 20% on your Onyx Hunt subscription. When the miles rack up faster than your flush count, that's when you'll truly appreciate your hunting vest from Final Rise. Built for the uplands and proudly sewn in the USA, the complete lineup of hunting vests from Final Rise, from their all-new Summit XT down to the minimalist Sidekick system, are all built upon the foundational load-bearing waist belt and low-profile shoulder strap system, which allow you to carry all the gear you need and do so comfortably while maintaining your ability to move freely and perform when you need to most. With a complete lineup of accessories and newly released performance field apparel, Final Rise has the gear you need to help you get the most out of every mile and every flush. Final Rise gear is built for the uplands. Get yours today at FinalRise.com. Welcome to the Project Upland Podcast, where we discuss all things upland hunting. We plan to take you into some of our favorite bird covers as we talk to the people that hunt them and the organizations that support them. We'll also break down the dogs, guns, and gear used to pursue them, and of course, we'll share the stories that celebrate this American tradition. It's one of those things that you do that, that feels timeless. My dad brought home our first Brittany when I was about 10 years old. The Red Gods are calling, and I must go. These are your stories. This is the Project Upland Podcast, presented by Onyx Hunt. On this episode of the show, we head west with Damon Booth and Alec Garcia of Chucker Chasers. Welcome back to the show for episode number 98. Project Upland Podcast is presented by Onyx Hunt, creators of the most comprehensive digital mapping system for hunters. Use the promo code PUP20 to save 20% on your Onyx Hunt subscription. Shameless plug here for the Hunter's Happy Hour. If you missed it, last Friday, we recorded an episode streamed live on YouTube of the Hunter's Happy Hour with Jared Larson from Onyx. We talked all about Onyx. He shared his screen. He walked us through some of his favorite tips and tricks for using Onyx. It is an absolute awesome episode of the Hunter's Happy Hour. 
with Jared Larson of Onyx. Highly encourage you to go check that out. You will learn something about Onyx that you didn't already know. Check it out, Hunter's Happy Hour on YouTube. And by Yukonuba Premium Performance Dog Food. Out in the field, how you prepare determines how you'll perform. With balanced fat and protein to support peak condition in your bird dog, Yukonuba Premium Performance Dog Food enhances strength, energy, and endurance. So when that tailgate finally drops, you and your dogs are ready for anything. Strong, focused, ready for anything. That is a Yukonuba dog. And by Gumleaf USA, high-quality, handcrafted, premium rubber boots that stand the test of time. Use the promo code PUP10 at gumleafusa.com to save 10% on your next pair of boots. And by CZ USA Shotguns, shotguns designed with the Upland Hunter in mind from the Bob White and Sharptail side-by-sides and the Upland Ultralight and Wing Shooter Elite over and unders. They've got pumps, they've got semi-autos. If you're in the market for a new shotgun for bird hunting, CZ USA has a shotgun for you. Head over to cz-usa.com to learn more. And by Turnbull Restoration Co., the most recognized name in antique and vintage firearm restoration. Period correct metal finishes and custom reproductions of iconic firearms. Turnbull has been dedicated to the faithful and accurate restoration of classic American shotguns, rifles, and handguns for over 35 years. You want to learn more about what Turnbull Restoration could do for you? Head over to TurnbullRestoration.com forward slash Upland to see a photo essay documenting the entire restoration process of a Parker shotgun. That's TurnbullRestoration.com forward slash Upland. And finally, by Dakota 283 Kennels. Kennels built to last a lifetime. One piece, rotomold design, frame steel door, everything you and your dog need in a kennel for a safe and successful hunting trip. Head over to dakota283.com to check out their kennels and all of their products. All right, this week's winner of the podcast giveaway is Nate Burbach, buddy of Tyler Webster's, guy that I got to meet and hunt with last fall out in North Dakota. Nate left us a review in the iTunes app, and for that, we thank him. Project Upland t-shirt headed his way very soon. Anybody listening could be next week's winner of the podcast giveaway. All you have to do is make a meaningful contribution to the show, including what Nate did. We love when you leave us reviews on iTunes or whatever podcast app you're listening to. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Subscribe to the podcast. Share the podcast. Send us some feedback or a guest suggestion. We'd love to hear from our listeners. Email me at nick.larson at northwoodscollective.com. All right, announced this week. You ask for it. We are delivering it. Public Grouse goes virtual in May. That is the Public Grouse Film Tour with Backcountry Hunters and Anglers presented by Onyx Hunt, Yukonuba. One week, one week only, Public Grouse will go digital Head over to Backcountry Hunters and Anglers website to find out more and purchase your tickets today. You don't want to miss this Public Grouse virtual film tour coming in May. All right, we're jumping into today's episode with the Chucker Chasers. I'm joined by Damon Booth and Alec Garcia of the Chucker Chasers and recently featured in a film that just dropped from Project Upland that followed these two guys on a Nevada chucker hunt. The film is incredible. My conversation with these two was a blast. I learned more about chucker hunting, had fun doing it, and I got to know a couple of guys that are excited about chucker hunting, and they're excited about making the opportunity available to others. I hope you enjoy our conversation today. You absolutely have to go check out the film. And with that said, let's welcome into the conversation and onto the Project Upland podcast of the Chucker Chasers, Damon Booth and Alec Garcia.
All right. Well, with that said, let's jump into another episode of the Project Upland Podcast. Guys, thank you for joining me. I'm here this evening with a couple of uh, members of the Chucker Chasers and a couple guys that were featured in a Project Upland film that will be releasing next week. Uh, when people hear this podcast, it will be out. But guys, I'd like you to introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about you and how you got into Upland bird hunting. Damon Booth, let's start with you, man. All right. Uh, <clears throat> got into Upland bird hunting when I was young. Grew up in Winnemucca, Nevada, very, very small town in kind of the northern central part of Nevada. Um, and my dad was a big, big upland hunter, big game hunter as well. And ran Brittany, so always grew up having a bird dog, uh, spoiled uh, in that sense. <laughs> um, you know, that's there's guys who always reach out wondering, or, you know, what, what are the benefits of a bird dog? And really the bird dog does it all. Um, but yeah, at a young age, got into it and kind of a passion of mine i i gave it up in high school thought i was better than that thought i was uh you know it was kind of an old man sport um and didn't want to follow the footsteps of my father got into college started meeting people who were uh, diehard uh hunters um, whether big game or upland and got back into it and thankfully i did so i have a few guesses as to what was keeping you busy in high school when you gave up chuck running <laughs> but was there was there another outdoor pursuit that was keeping you busy <laughs> not at all it was more uh sports uh you know may, maybe the ladies of high school uh the social groups uh and yeah ha- having having fun in, in little rural winnemucca nevada um but figured uh hunting was not a path i'd ever want to take or get into um and i was completely wrong yeah well we we learn a lot when we're that young and uh we what we think we know we uh we don't know much alec garcia man thanks for coming on the podcast uh tell us a little bit about yourself thanks for having us uh yeah so uh my story is a little different i guess than uh than damon's uh my my folks didn't hunt uh but uh my mom's side of the family did and my uncle did and uh, so I didn't really grow up with it per se, but uh, my uncle took me out actually waterfowl hunting um, before I was you know, even of legal age, just kind of got to go and experience it. And that's when I, I first kind of developed that passion and was out there and the dog work and the decoys and stuff like that was something I kind of was like, this is cool. Yeah. And then uh, as I got older, my uncle got me into not only waterfowl, but he chucker hunted and that kind of stuff and, you know, kind of fell in love with the desert and to Damon's same point, ended up uh, meeting a, a good group of friends through high school and then obviously later into college and later in life that had uh, similar goals and aspirations and really enjoyed, you know, the the challenge and the the pursuit of, of Chucker in that sense. So uh, it's kind of been something that uh, I've grown with and enjoyed through that that time period and it's really been fun to kind of see the the upland the upland world mature and i definitely do more of that now than i than i do waterfowling he never took a hiatus <laughs> yeah so so you guys would both say that upland hunting is your primary pursuit right now yeah for sure i mean i and it's it's a thing i i draw a chucker tag every year uh you know we both big game hunt <laughs> and stuff but it's the one thing I can I can count on. Uh, good numbers, bad numbers. I go out, I get the dog out. The dog comes home tired. I come home tired. It's a success. Uh, you don't always draw a tag. You know, waterfowl sometimes can be challenging depending on the migration patterns and the whole yep. nine yards. And you know, at the end of the day, if I just take my shotgun for a hike, I I'm still above uh, above and beyond uh, pleased with 
how the day turned out. I feel like that's that doesn't always get talked about, but the consistency of upland hunting, you know, certainly seasons change and usually a season has like a peak where it's prime time and, and not, but really the consistency of knowing you can go and get your dog out and get exercise and chase birds. I mean that, and you can usually do it for a long time relative to other seasons. I mean, shoot, what's it, you guys are both like, what's your chucker season out there? I feel like you guys can pretty much hunt all year long. Pretty much. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, we, we it's like to never think. long enough. It's <laughs> never long enough. Well, it, I'll give it you passes that. by too quickly. Um, yeah. but Nevada, uh, it's always the first weekend of October till the first weekend of February, or sorry, second okay. weekend of October. Um, and then, Second you know, weekend of October. Yeah. Okay. And so you start you're starting a little bit later than some other places. Yeah. Idaho Idaho's the earliest. Um, they start uh, late February, or geez, sorry, late February, late late September. Yeah. Um, however, I think they close a little earlier than we do. Okay. Um, yeah. You know, it's 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 an excuse to get outside and and really escape reality. Um, yeah. There's you know with everything currently going on and uh, globally. Um, that's, that's kind of been the chatter is that, you know, everyone wishes it was the upland season, wishes it was chucker season, uh, to be able to get out and explore. And yeah, you load up your bird dog and you really just start hiking the hills and, you know, there's days, there's good days and bad days, but, uh, you know, any day out kind of beats the alternative. Yeah. Yeah. And and people do it during not hunting season. You know, you talk about people, you go on a hike, you go on a walk, you get your dog out. I mean, and a lot of people that's that you find joy in that. So then on hunting on top of it, you get your dog out, you get to see your dog work birds and in, in a perfect world, you find them and, uh, hopefully, you know, connect. Yeah. Do you guys have a window in the spring? Like perhaps right now where you're out trying to get your dogs on wild birds or are they nesting or how does that shake out for you? That's like the biggest thing even now, uh, like they're pairing up. I mean, I'm, I'm not a biologist by any means, but you know, it's unfortunate. Like you don't want to disrupt, um, you know, them chucker pairing right now. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I don't think that the hatch, you know, the laying of the eggs is not till, till later. Um, but it's just good to get out. I mean, whether you're, you're running the hills and, um, you know, just to work the dog is always beneficial after the fact there's, there's some hunters out there that think their dog is going to be, uh, you know, a supreme hunting, uh, you know, conditioned, um, come October, come September, October. And that's just not the case. I, I mean, you have to work these dogs. Um, but then, yeah, once, once the, the, the pairing up happens in the hatch. I mean, you kind of have to be caught conscientious of that and aware of that. Yeah. Um, and then snakes too. I mean, that's another thing oh. I saw like snakes are becoming an issue. They're starting to come out. It's warming up. Um, and although, you know, you, your, your dog might have that, that snake training, that rattlesnake training. I mean, they, they still might get in a position that, uh, yeah, that compromises the, the dog. So you always have to kind of be aware of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think I just run them a little differently in the, uh, in the warmer summer months, as opposed to like hunting season. And like you said, getting them out, you can still run in certain country and in certain areas. Um, you don't necessarily have to run them in places where, you know, there may be high bird concentration, high nesting populations and things for that. But, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things you gotta, you gotta play balance as a, as a hunter, as a conservationist and also as somebody that, you know, just needs to get their dog out and exercise yeah. it and the whole nine. Yeah, the dogs need exercise year round, but yeah, just having that having that awareness is obviously it's common sense, you know. I mean that's that's the way it is. But um just out of curiosity, the chucker season, like I mentioned like 
many seasons will have kind of a peak where you have prime time. Is your early season when it kicks off in October, I mean, are you guys dealing with hot temperatures, like saying, man, I can't wait till December when the chucker hunting's perfect? I mean, how does that how does that play out? I think it depends, and Damon can comment on this on his end. I really think it depends on the type of chucker hunter that you are um, sure. and the seasonal conditions. Um, I think a lot of times early season people really can do well hunting water and springs and that kind of stuff where they don't have to put in the the miles per se or or hike quite as far uh i'm a big fan of the late season come that december january you typically don't have other people on the hill guys have other things going the dogs are normally in shape and tuned in and if you're if you're willing to put on uh you know a couple miles i i tend to do much better late season than i do early season but maybe it's because i hunt the late or the early season like i do the late where i'm on top of the mountain and i should just you know hunt hunt the spring and sit on water yeah no and that's i think there's a huge difference uh you know one most years really depend on drought seasons i mean when there is a drought it kind of does affect the bird numbers but i mean i haven't really noticed kind of in the past i'd say three to five seasons of there being a difference in the numbers it's just at times there's just you're hiking longer miles longer days um, but yeah, there's, I mean, I think NDAO, Department of Wildlife in Nevada did a, uh, did a study like last year or the year before where it was like, I think they estimated 10 to 15,000 people were out on opening day of chucker hunting, which is really? just absurd. I mean, it's just, I mean, every canyon, you, you, you'd anticipate every canyon to pretty much be full or have a truck or a side by side. Um, I mean, that's just a, a, a pile of people trying to, trying to chase birds early on. And, and that's, what people get excited for is opener. Um, I don't get as excited for opener. Yes, I'm excited for, you know, chucker season to finally be, begin. Yeah. Um, but it's just crowded. And so, you know, there's a lot of us that kind of joke about that. Um, hopefully there's some respect out there and people maintain that. Um, but I love December, January, or kind of more really November, December, January, like the best months. Um, and when it's bad weather, when that snow, really snow comes in and it's muddy roads, you don't want to compromise the hunt by any means, but um, it does keep people from going out. And so it, it, it limits the uh, the traffic that uh, you, you, you might encounter out there. So I'd say those yeah. are the, the best months that I enjoy. Um, and by then, the birds are more of a challenge, too. They're off water. They're more spread out. Um, you know, the, the water holes aren't all shot up. Uh, as soon as some some type of precipitation comes in, it really does kick the birds out, and, and, it, and it really makes the better challenge for them. Yeah. So you mentioned snow do you guys get weather to the scent like in the sense that you could have your season cut short or limited i mean how, what kind of snow do you guys actually get i mean we're we're high desert um you know here nevada idaho eastern oregon um the whole nine yards and so it really it depends on the winter yeah um, we're not chucker hunting in like the sierra mountains uh but the high desert, I mean, it's it's not unheard of to get a foot or two feet of snow. I mean, sure. I've definitely hunted days where you feel like you're hiking the Himalayas. We got a we got a friend that has a, a husky, and we laugh because he chucker hunts her. And uh, there's <laughs> been days where we're like, yeah, this is no place for a short hair. Right. Uh, you know. So it, it depends. You know, it can it can really snow heavily. Yeah. Um, the one nice thing about the desert is typically it does warm up during the day. So you don't normally have like mass accumulation like you would in 
you know, the Sierra Nevada mountains or sure. sawtooths or things like that. Uh, but it, depending on when you hit it, um, it can be, you know, preventative to getting into certain spots. And this, the snow is actually beneficial for, for the birds. I mean, my dad has this theory, um, that it brings the birds down. And, and I truly think that, you know, they come down lower, they're not on the high peaks. Um, so you're not hiking as far. Um, however, I have, you know, got into coveys that have been pretty high up in snow, um, still knee deep snow and snow drifts that you're, you know, having to power through to get into. Um, but you know, there, there's benefits to the snow, but yeah, like Alex said, it's, it's not like, you know, there might be a good heavy snowfall, but it's still, you know, for the most part, it's not frigid cold or a blizzard you're out there in, um, and you're still able to get on some birds. Is that, um, I mean, do you think that that's perhaps food related? I mean, what, like this'll, this'll prove to the listeners how little I know about chuckers and their habitat. I mean, what are they eating? You know, the, their food's got to be getting covered up at that point. For sure. And I think, uh, in those times when you have heavier snowfall, the whole nine yards, you concentrate on those Southern facing slopes, okay. the sunny sides of the mountain where you're going to have faster snow melt, better access to grass and green up and things of that nature. So, I mean, Chucker are, are hardy birds. Um, yeah. If you've got a ton of snow, it can be tough for them to find find things. But like I said, in, in most of these uh, high desert areas, in, in a couple of days, even after a decent snow, you get a decent melt off and you can hunt those, those southern facing uh, rims or ridges. And they typically provide, uh, you know, food and cover and, and warmth. So maybe I wasn't paying attention enough in the film, but I don't think I saw any Britneys. Damon, do you have do you have Britneys or do you got, do you guys? I think I saw a short no, hair in there. Yeah, no Britney spaniels. Okay, uh, like I said, I was raised. Uh, my dad ran ran Britneys. I believe we uh, probably about three or four Britneys. I was raised around, okay. and then when I was in seventh grade, I uh, ended up getting a short hair. Um, this was before I, you know, retired early on chucker hunting. Uh, <laughs> I was all about it in seventh grade. Got a bird dog out of Fallon, Nevada, um, and the short hairs just really changed changed the game for my dad and my dad's perspective at that time. Um, and then after that, he's my dad still hunts short hairs. Okay. Um, I'm on my second short hair that I've had now, uh, but yeah, no no Britneys in the film. Uh, they are great hunters. Um, you know, there's there's some buddies here uh, locally who are all about them. Um, and they, they're great. I mean, I've, I've hunted behind them and they're still, you know, incredible dogs. Uh, just, you know, once I went to that short hair, I just really haven't, haven't turned, turned back from it. But, uh, yeah, yeah. no, no, no Britney's in that film. No, no Britney's. But I mean, and we, we've laughed about it cause we'll have a pretty eclectic group of dogs. Um, like I said, I started with a lab. I had a, you know, a little bit of that waterfowl background early on, yep. uh, was already chucker hunter. So I got a, a pointing lab quote unquote, uh, <laughs> doesn't really point much. I think I may have seen a, a what looked to be a point. Not, not much of a point. point and I've never heard of a pointing lab that doesn't point. <laughs> yeah, who knows, right? Uh, <laughs> Alec bit on that one. It was a snake oil. I was sold snake oil. But uh, I mean, he's been honestly a, a great dog, but yeah. uh, lived with Damon uh, shortly after college and he had his for short hair and that was when I was – very impressed on just the upland dogs in in general and i run a, a french brock now very similar oh, really to a, yeah very similar okay. to a short hair but just a little i think mellower in the house a little a little softer demeanor in general than some of the uh, german short hairs that i've been around but sure you know if, if we hunt with a group we'll have 
We'll have labs, we'll have huskies, we'll have vishlas, we'll have, you know, short hairs, setters. setters. Um, so everybody's got their pick of a bird dog and yeah, people always, you know, say one way or another what's better. But I, I'm a true believer in the best bird dog is one that hunts and gets on birds. Yeah, and yeah it, that's and the that, way it ought to be. And that's the thing. Every hunter says they have their best bird dog. The best bird dog, you know, your dog won't compete with their dog. And that's kind of just how it is. Yeah. I'm always worried about when the guy, you know, the, the people say you're, you'll have one really great bird dog your whole life, you know? So I'm, I'm worried that, you know, do I have that one now or am I going to, then the next 10 of them are not going to be so good or what? <laughs> I'll, I'll admit I, uh, so my last bird dog, unfortunately, you know, freak accident, um, uh, you know, it, pr- pretty tragic in the sense of it changed my way of, of, of handling my dog where like I have a breakaway collar. I don't leave a collar on my dog too often. If it's inside the house, there's no reason for him to have a collar. Um, heaven forbid my dog was to ever go after anyone. You could be like, you know, their mother and just pull up on their, their skin and pull, pull them away from any type of situation. But yeah, my, my uh, last dog's <clears throat> sister actually strangled uh, my dog when my dog's collar got lodged uh, behind her teeth. Um, oh, man. Super freak accident. They were in a kennel together. They were siblings. They were from the same litter. Um, pretty, pretty horrific. Uh, so I lost that short hair. He, he was only two and he was a hell of a dog. And again, like I just said, everyone, you know, brags about their bird dog and thinks it's the best, the best one. But I mean, that's what got Alec to switch to short hairs. Um, another buddy after seeing, uh, how he performed at just, you know, two years old, um, his first, you know, I, even at two, I hunted him both seasons and, uh, he was, he was on it. I mean, he was a great dog. And so now Rye, Rye actually, uh, Today's his third birthday, so nice. uh, he's only happy three. birthday, Rye. <laughs> he's only three, but I tell him often. I mean, I remind him he's not as good as Rondo. Uh, <laughs> he just he just isn't there. Um, but he still performs. He still has a, a decent nose on him. Um, you know, gets me into birds. I mean, even the last uh, seasons I've hunted him, um, I, I think I could count on my hand times I've never gotten into birds with him. So uh, I mean, he, he's good. But he's he's not what I previously had, and so yeah, I mean, I, I think there's some truth behind that. Um, but I think you know, in all the years you'll have bird dogs, I mean, they all perform differently, and uh, yeah, they, they give you that advantage. They're all unique; they have their own personalities, yeah. you know. And it's one of those things that it's just fun to see them, especially if you're just on an armed hike. You know, you don't see any birds. It's nice to have have the company and absolutely. Tired dogs are the best dogs, in my opinion. So yeah, yeah, I, I imagine uh, I'm you know getting into this. I'm I have my first dog, and someday I hope to look back and say I've had you know ten, fifteen of them. I there will probably be maybe one or two that stick out in your mind, but I mean the the best dog is the one that you have. Most definitely. Are you guys getting your short hairs from anywhere in particular? Have you uh, have you mixed it up a little bit or? Yeah, I'd say so. I mean that's. But I had a conversation uh, the other day with someone about this, uh, you know, breeder. Uh, I, I think it's beneficial to go through a breeder and, and, and be selective. Um, you know, I, I don't I think it's you know, you're taking a risk if it's a backyard breeder. Um, you know, the dogs could have some health complications that you're not aware of. Um, but I'll say, you know, I'm, there's not just one favorite kennel that I have. Yeah. Uh, there's multiple kennels that, you know, I communicate with the, the owners uh, and they're, you know, they're diehard hunters, which is, I think, always, you know, something you should be selective about. Um, also, who they're giving the dogs to uh, and what kind of vetting process they have. I mean, you want if they're bird dogs. They need to hunt. Uh, if you're not going to hunt your bird dog, 
I mean, as much as I love Rye, but if I gave up hunting tomorrow, you know, second retirement, I, I'd want to make sure that he was hunted, you know, his, his entire life. And so I'd yeah. have to like give him up. Um, but no, I mean, I, there's a handful that I think, you know, it's always good to, to kind of shop around and, and kind of do your own due diligence. But I mean, I could tell you like, so <clears throat> my first short hair was out of Fallon and that was a backyard breeder. wasn't a kennel. Um, definitely different times then, uh, it, it really just, you know, kennels weren't really the focus or, I mean, they were, but, um, you know, I was seventh grade. I didn't know uh, yeah, yeah. What, what I was getting into and Buster, you know, so many of us have dogs in our lifetime with a, with a Buster. Uh, he was great. I mean, the fact that he was able to get my dad, uh, to switch breeds to hunt behind. Um, but we don't even know if he was full blooded we don't know what his bloodlines <laughs> were or anything. Sure. Um, but his demeanor was great. I mean, great, great bird dog. And he lived a full life and hunted until about 12. And then Rondo was, uh, was actually a, a, a backyard breeder is obviously a, a label we give to non, non, uh, distinguished kennel or, you know, a business, uh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, backing, um, but they were out of Smith Valley and, and that's Rondo who's been the, the premier short hair I've hunted behind. Um, and then Rye was out of, uh, seclu- secluded kennels out of Redding. And I know Tommy is, is, uh, moved up to Idaho now. Um, but that was, you know, his first litter. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I guess all three of those dogs two well, three of them have been, been rural, uh, two Nevada bird dogs and one California bird dog I have now. So, <laughs> Man, there's so many directions I could go. Um, I want to ask you more about dogs, but before I forget this one, I'm, I'm curious. We were kind of talking about throwing back and getting into like getting started upland hunting when you're younger or whenever you did. Um, I, I did a podcast earlier today, and uh, my guests and I were talking about our first uh, rough grouse that we shot. Do you guys remember shooting your first chucker? I 100% remember <laughs> shooting my first chucker. Tell me about it. I have a framed picture here in my house of my nice. first chucker. It did not come on my first chucker hunt. Um, that that is a certainty. Uh, I'd been out a a few times uh, with with my uncle that had got me into it and uh, had had opportunities, had missed birds, had gone, had not seen birds, had hiked, had been like, "What are we doing in this? You know, in this area? There's nothing. There's nothing yeah. we can live here." And uh, <laughs> my my first chucker was a road chucker. Um, to be perfectly honest, uh, driving up, driving <laughs> up the road, it's like a 12 year old, uh, pretty much like asleep in the back seat. my uncle. And, you know, his, his whole goal was, you know, get me on birds, get me excited about it. Right. And I think that's yep. the, the goal for most people that are trying to get the youth involved is, you know, start something that they enjoy. And, you know, I think birds ran across the seat and he hit the brakes and I hit the front seat of the, you know, the thing in yeah, front yeah. of me. He's like, birds, birds, birds. And so we, we jump out of the truck and, you know, get loaded up and ran up. And I got, I got my first bird, uh, you know, off of this little road. And I was so stoked. I had yeah. a yellow lab at the time and, you know, he was, he was there with us and ended up chasing that covey a little bit further and got my sure. second bird, you know, all in the same day. And I was, oh no way. you know, high, high on, high on life, wearing a puka, puka shell necklace, you know, as, <laughs> as a old. but, uh, you know, that, that, that was my first, uh, my first bird. And I mean, I remember, I remember the hunt. I remember the Canyon we're in. I remember yeah. sleeping in a hotel in Winnemucca that we didn't, we didn't think allowed dogs and we'd snuck the dogs in through the window so they could sleep with us. And, <laughs> uh, you know, like all those nostalgic memories. And I think yeah. that's really what is, uh, you know, 
propelled this passion is if, if you start them off young and they have a good experience, that's really what, what makes it. Yeah. How about you, Damon? Can't say my story is quite like that one. Um, <laughs> to be honest, I can't remember my first bird, but I remember it was, I mean, I had a youth Remington shotgun. I had a hunting vest that didn't fit me. Eight, you know, 870. That's what I yeah. killed mine with. Yeah. Remington All 870. Right. Yep. Me too. Yeah, Wingmaster, yeah. man. It's the go, go-to to start out with. And, you know, my hunting vest was a hand-me-down. I think it had a couple holes in it. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't remember ever shooting my first bird. But I do remember the first time really being kind of frustrated with chucker hunting. And it was my dad seeing birds and telling me, you know, they're right there. They're right there. Just keep going. And me just, you know, hiking and hiking and hiking and not seeing the birds and just kind of being frustrated with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, so that's, I mean, my memory of it, I'm, I'm so happy that I got into the upland hunting, uh, yeah. especially chucker hunting. Um, but it was a huge push for my father and, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I commend him for that. I'm so glad he, he got me out there. Um, but yeah, really my passion wasn't until like after I, I have so many vivid memories of hunting birds after the fact. Um, yeah. you know, meeting great people, uh, you know, in college and just really the, the, the endless miles to just hop in the truck and go on the, the back country and, uh, explore and then, you know, pick a, 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 a range and then find a Canyon. Um, so yeah. Yeah. And, and dumb broke college kids. And we talk about <laughs> it now, you know, like as, as, you know, being a little more grown up and we'd get in the car with, you know, oh yeah, we got a case of water and a granola bar. Maybe if we were lucky, if we were lucky, yeah. it, it was yeah. like sweet. Yeah, load up and we'll go for fifteen hours. No big deal. Uh, <laughs> yeah. we're, we're a little more prepared now, and you know, uh, I will say that was evident in the film. <laughs> you guys yeah. have some serious, some serious chucker hunting rigs now. I, so I wanted to ask you this. So you got people. Will, people will see this if they check out the film, um, which I, which they absolutely should. But uh, obviously, you guys have you know you've got your pickup trucks, you've got trailers, and the trailers you got UTVs side by sides. Is that a requirement for what you guys are doing, or is or is that uh, is De- that just you guys taking it to the next level? Definitely not a requirement. That's okay. When I even bring up that story about me as a youth, you know, with a, a youth shotgun and a hand me down vest, I mean that's all you need. I mean, get a good pair of boots, get a vest. Yeah. Uh, and, and the vest, because you don't want to be holding birds all day and you might need a few extra right. shells, especially, you know, in my case. Um, and it, I mean, just get out and hike. Um, you know, it, it's, it's could be done very, very inexpensively. Um, but yeah, w- where we are today, I mean, it's, if you're going to put in a, like long days and you want to avoid traffic and, and foot traffic and vehicles, I mean, it's nice to have the toys. Um, I mean, and a UTV isn't to hunt out of it. You shouldn't be driving, you know, road hunting. It's just to get you to a spot so you're not beating the shit out of your truck. Save the rig. And it's, I mean, it's no different than big game hunting. You know what I mean? And it's like, you can go and hunt and you can hunt from your rig. You can go and hunt and you can hike in. You can go and hunt and backpack in with mules or llamas or whatever the case may be you know and i think you've got different llamas people chuck around with llamas not chucker hunt but they'll elk hunt or you know big game hunt or something like that but uh like like damon said i mean i think it just opens up additional country yeah Uh, you can get into a little harder to reach places and and not to say you can't get in there with a with a truck uh, but it's definitely quicker on a utv you know than trying to drive down a you know 
a beat up road, or especially late season when it's muddy and wet sure. and the whole nine. It's just you know that uh, that access into those those areas it can be a little better to get your UTV stuck out there than than your truck or something like that. No, absolutely, and that's the thing with with the video. I mean, it was cool. I mean, we really didn't know what to expect. We hunted three days, uh, and all three spots were different. I mean, we hunted. I'd say even the second day uh, where we broke down. Um, we had to Uh-oh, go. Oh, there was a breakdown. There was a breakdown. There's a small <laughs> clip of it in the video, but luckily, uh, Damon's dad is like a walking Swiss army knife and oh, nice. <laughs> had, had extra belts and tools in the whole nine yard. And we swapped the belt out on the UTV in the middle of the, the middle of the road. Will, Will made him look like as if he was a mechanic. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, thankfully my dad had, had the, the tools and, and, uh, replacement parts. Um, but you know, we, where we got that day, I mean, we drove, I mean, a good hour and a half. I mean, it was an hour in a truck and then an hour and a half in the side-by-side. So we went pretty deep in the backcountry, uh, knowing, I mean, to really get away from people, knowing it's like, all right, let's check out this spot. There's no way anyone else is going to be this far back in here. Um, you know, the benefit of Onyx this this day and age or even Google Maps, yeah, just find water, find somewhere where there's, you know, a lot of green grass, which, you know, you talked about the food, what, what Chuck are looking for in the snow. I mean, they're, they're looking to find something to feed on and when it's super dry um you know they're going to be around water and that's where the feed is and so we literally found this location we're like yep let's go here all right well what are the roads um and yeah it took this long dusty rocky road that there's no way in hell you'd want to take your truck uh back as far as we did yeah i mean from what i know of nevada that's certainly uh you know you guys have endless endless country to get back into and you can get away from get away from people that way i mean it's the it's the beauty of not ju- i mean not just nevada i mean i think nevada is a prime example just because of the yeah. amount of public land but a lot of these western western states uh you know that have that access and you just have to look and find where you want to go and and then dedicate the time to it too and i mean that was a nice thing that this film provided obviously is you know, it's like, Hey, we have, we have three days. Let's, you know, let's make the most of it and explore some country that we haven't been in. Yeah. Uh, so I was going to say it could be a gamble when you do that, especially. Oh yeah. Filming. Yep. Uh, but yeah, we, we, we'd never hunted any of the, any of the spots we hunted uh, previously. So this was all new, new country for all of us. Yeah. Which is cool. I mean, you guys were successful. That was, that was, uh, that was in the film, but yeah, was that, was that kind of the goal just to kind of have a little bit of an adventure and hunt something that you had been to before? Yeah, we, we talked about it a little bit with Will. And I think, uh, we, we talked about it before. I mean, like, obviously we went there because we thought it would be productive and we thought that there was, you know, yeah. uh, good, good habitat, just looking at Onyx, looking at the map and, you know, talking to Will, he's like, Hey, you know, if we don't shoot a single bird, that's, that's fine. Yeah. Right. That's not the, that's not the point of the story. That's not the point of chucker hunting. And, you know, he, he's a hundred percent right in that. Yeah. And I think that most people that have gone chucker hunting probably can relate to that because the videos, the tailgate pictures are not always the reality of what, what a day in the field turns out like. Yeah. And, and we laugh sometimes, you know, where, oh yeah, there's six birds on the tailgate, but if you pan back, there's also six trucks and, you know, 10 right, guys. Right, right. And so you can paint whatever picture you want, but Will was just saying, you know, that's, we it, don't feel pressure. We'll, we're going to get a good story out of this either way. Cause it's just about being out here and, and the dogs yeah. and enjoying what, what's available to us. 
It looked like you guys had pretty good weather on that trip. It was great weather. It was actually super warm. I mean, this was except for the last day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what's weird. This is Nevada for you. uh, And definitely a Nevada thing. And, you know, Nevada, Idaho, uh, Oregon, um, it's the weather could change. And that's why you should be prepared. I mean, talking about the college days, we weren't prepared at all. I mean, sometimes not even having an extra sweater uh, in the back of the truck, um, which was would be unfortunate if it got cold. And even after, you know, a long day of, of, you know, being in the high desert, uh, a long day of, of hiking and you're sweaty and then you come off the hill and then that breeze picks up and it's, you know, temperatures drop, it could be pretty miserable. Yeah. Uh, but we hunted, you know, first few days were very warm. And then, yeah, we hunted a different area that actually had snow and it was cold. Um, and again, the another benefit of snow are tracks. You're able to track them. I mean, you see their, their, their movement sure. and where they're, if they're running uphill or running down low. Um, and it, it, it's for sure an advantage uh, that's, that's kind of, kind of yeah. bene- beneficial. But, but that's Nevada for you, you know, be yeah. you know, freezing in the morning when you get up and 80 degrees, 90 degrees, 100 degrees. I mean, even in the dead of summer, you can drop below freezing and wake up right. and have. As soon as the sun goes down, you can be. Yeah, cold. You can, be, yeah. you can be in bad in bad shape if you're not if you're not prepared. But what time of year was that hunt? It was hunt in November, right? It was November. Okay. And that's that's the thing too. Is kind of a, a running joke amongst trucker hunters. Is I mean, you could sit there all day, all week. Uh, you know, if you're a, a weekend hunter, a weekday. You know, once that hunt ends, you're already talking about your next spot. You know, and I think it's a good challenge. And, and hopefully, all the listeners recognize this, and, and we try to posted it, post it and advocate it as much as possible, but challenge yourself to hunt a new spot. And so with this, yeah. we're like, well, should we go here? You know, last year was good. Two years ago is good. Um, oh, there are good rain. There's good rain. Maybe, you know, that, that stream is running well. Like, I mean, we sat there and picked our brain and, yeah, and went over the map, the whole nine. And, and it was just kind of like, well, where are we going to go? And then finally it was like, let's just try these new spots. Even my dad, my dad who, you know, has hunted a lot of Northern Nevada a lot of, you know, I'd say all of Nevada, central northern Nevada, had never been to some of the spots we, we, we were in. Um, and usually he's a go-to to say, hey, we're this far in. Uh, how do we get out of here? And he has some, you know, back road that he's aware of that he, you know, traveled 20 years ago. Uh, <laughs> but we really just didn't know. And there was pressure in that sense um, of, all right, let's just, you know, hopefully we could get out. Hopefully the roads aren't, aren't bad. Um and yeah, I mean, it, it was impressive that, you know, three new spots um, and, you know, birds at every canyon that really we were walking in or driving the side by sides in. Uh, it, it was it, it, it was beneficial. I mean, it proved proved successful for us. But that's the, the what's awesome about chucker hunting. You really don't know. Uh, yeah. So get out there and just kind of explore. And if you're not finding them where you're you're currently hiking, increase that elevation. I mean, keep trekking up higher. Uh, yeah, and then they're, they're there. dip over to the other canyon. They're there. I mean, if they've got, you know, food, cover, the water, trifecta, the trifecta, right. Then you just have to walk a little, a little further normally. But I mean, I find when I go to places that I expect birds to be, cause I've been there before and I don't have a good day or I don't run into birds, I'm more disappointed than yeah. if I go, Hey, I've never been here and we're going to go try this. And that was, I mean, and, and then it's like, okay, tried that, didn't work, cross it off, next spot. Yep. Uh, or, hey, tried that, worked great, awesome, I've got another spot. And, I mean, and that's the only way that you build a, uh, you know, a repertoire of, of places. You know, you yeah. talk to these old timers that it's like, oh, yeah, I've, 
I've hunted that. Oh, I, I've limited there. I haven't been there in 20 years. But uh, yeah. that's how yeah. you get kind of a... Yeah, so sometimes it's fascinating. I'll tell my dad, I'll say, hey, have you ever hunted this? And yeah, he'll say he'll drop that 20-year decade. Like, yeah, you know, last time I hunted it was... I was, I was channeling your father. Yeah, there. like, oh, 15 <laughs> years ago. There were great numbers in there. And I think that's the coolest thing to hear because then he, he moved on from it. It's, I mean, you know, there's there's places around... You know, I think a lot of these townships uh, in Idaho and Oregon, Eastern Oregon and, and Northern Nevada where, yeah, you could go hunt an hour away or, you know, 15 minutes away. But how good are the numbers? If the numbers are small, don't wipe them out. You know, drive that extra half hour, an hour. Like, yeah. Like find the place that holds great numbers and maybe, you know, you want to hunt it a second time. So then, yeah, hunt it early. And then when come winter time, it's going to be a completely different hunting grounds because now there's been rain or snow or freeze and you, you know, a handful of other hunters in there and they pushed them to another, uh, rock outcropping or, you know, roosting area. And so it, it, I think chuck rounding is such a challenge, no matter how old you are, no matter how, you know, experienced you are, you know, there's people who brag like they're, you know, they, they deserve some type of badge that they are the experts. I mean, even as us being behind chucker chasers, we're, we're not experts uh, by yeah. any means because it changes, you know, the elements change and, you know, your, your bird dog hunts differently. And uh, there's so many factors that go into it where you never really know. If you claim you're an expert, uh, you, you're not. Uh, yeah, you yeah. just really don't know. Well, and I think, and I don't know if you see this like in, in grouse hunting or things of that nature, but I, I've noticed with, with things like sometimes weather patterns and, you know, Nevada has the most, independent mountain ranges of pretty much anywhere in the world but you'll have different uh different weather patterns i think and you'll have different years where it's like hey it's really good in this part of the state it's really good here it's really good there and i don't know if that's because how storms came through wind storms came through ray and whatnot but you know if you're always hunting the same you know 200 square miles and i swear i i hear that all the time it's like oh i haven't seen any birds it's like well yeah you're right. I mean, I haven't seen any birds up there, but I've gone here and I've seen birds and I've gone there and I've seen birds. So if you lock yourself in, and that's the beauty of the public land and of yeah. Nevada and West in general is that you don't have to hunt the same 75 acres like you do in Kentucky for whitetail if you don't have a ranch. Right. I, I always bring that up, you know, because it's, it's, it's crazy to me that you could have such a small area to actually hunt Yeah. when you can, you know, hunt Eastern Oregon, hunt Idaho, hunt, you know, Utah, all these places. And they probably, there's birds. You just yeah. have to find them. Yeah. Uh, oh, go ahead, Damon. Well, yeah. I mean, it's funny. I mean, we drove to Bend uh, a few years back and even Boise uh, the, earlier this year. And you're just driving and you just look and you're like, damn, that looks good. And you get on Onyx yeah. and it's like, oh, public lands, public lands, public lands. And then you yeah. start looking for the, you know, the water source yeah, and access, no. I, I, yeah, the access in, in there. And you're like, damn, like there's just so many areas throughout, I mean, the Western states that are just great chucker areas. And, it, and really there's only one way to kind of find out if they're in there is really to get out and, and start hiking and walk it. And do you see that with grouse? Is that what you were going to talk about? Or Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely, like, everybody loves to say, you know, is it a good or a bad year for grouse? Because it's easy to talk in generalities like that. But the reality is you you will have some, like, you know, I, th- I think you can safely say that a rising tide floats all boat to a certain extent. Like, you can see a, a generally a elevated population. Now, when you're talking rough grouse, 
especially in this neck of the, where I'm at, Minnesota, Wisconsin, I mean, you have legitimate documented scientific cycles where the population actually cycles. And there's, there's actually some science to that. It's still unpredictable, but within that, within that like scope, you always have localized areas where it, it's really good over here. It's not so good over here. And I have started to learn that because like you guys, and I'm gathering this, like, you know, one thing that's happened for me is as I've expanded and tried more and more places and hunted different areas, like your confidence really grows. Like you go into those new spots with the expectation, like, Hey, I don't know what I'm going to get into here. When you find success, it's, it's even sweeter because like you tried something new and like you were 100%. successful. So it's awesome. Um, if you, if you don't have success, it is what it is. Your expectations were hopefully in line, but as you do that, your confidence grows and grows and grows. And then you have that repertoire of, of places that you can go and fall back on for sure. So yeah, I, that resonates with me a lot. No, for sure. And, and like you said, uh, it's, it's never a guarantee and that's why it's hunting. Yeah, uh, you know, if if you wanted a guaranteed bird, you know, you'd go to preserve and you do that. And we've, yeah. we've got some friends that uh, give Damon a hard time because you know they had had been having a tough season and they'd come out with us on a on a hunt. And uh, Damon's like, "Oh, this looks incredible." <laughs> and this was the it's the <laughs> not yeah, even the, what I quoted that day. The, the famous <laughs> the famous last words, right? Because uh, ended up having just a bad bird count day. Sure. But still had fun, you know, whole nine yards, and they were still yeah. shooting. There, uh, and but it was that funny thing, right? Where it's like, oh yeah, we're gonna go out, we're gonna hammer them. It looks yep. great, it looks incredible. Expectations because <laughs> you have other people with you, and yeah. it was uh, there was shooting, but it was not as uh, epic as some yeah. had anticipated. We've all been there, right? I mean, oh, yeah. you can't, you can't, you know, you can't plan for it. Yeah, that's why it's hunting. Damon, is your dad the kind of guy that does he still have like a paper map that he's got all marked up in the truck or is he an Onyx guy? So this is hilarious. Two, <laughs> two responses to that. One, on a, a cow elk hunt Alec had a couple years back, um, it was I think a new area for you. Yeah, I was, um, I was up in the Jarbage by the Jarbage Wilderness. And so we, we stop off in Winnemucca before we cruise out to go hunt. And Alec and I'm not a the you know big game hunter by any means in the sense of yeah yeah I have I have drawn a few tags and harvested yes but you know I solely like upland hunting um, and so I don't know this area that Alec is talking about that he has his tag and so we get to Winnemucca and Alec explains where you know where his tag is and my dad's like oh yeah come over here and pulls out <laughs> this library of the specific area. And was like, oh, yeah, there's this road and that road. And he start, you know, he, he, he's telling a story on just one area in Nevada. Yeah. Um, so uh, that's the, the first story. And the second, absolutely. I mean, I think he has two Nevada maps uh, that still have, you know, his X's and O's and, you know, little notes in the pages. Um, yep. And it's still in his truck. And I, I mean, to this day, I still have mine. I mean, I, my, my wife is from San Diego and. Uh, she, she actually, the guzzler map, the department of wildlife in Nevada has a guzzler map, which is awesome. Um, but it is a very large kind of binder, like, uh, calendar is what she, my wife referred to it as like, what's this <laughs> calendar in your truck? Um, and before Onyx, I mean, that's, that was it. And, and the, the, the map yeah. of map of Nevada and, and a couple other States where it's nice to have in your truck, especially if you fail to download the map, you're, you're anticipating to hunt. Because mm -hmm. I've been hunting where we don't pick a spot until we're driving a road and we might see a truck turn down that road. So we're like, okay, go to the next spot. And, then, and that's another thing to get out of this podcast, hopefully, is if you see a truck go down a road or park in a canyon, go find another one. There's many of them. 
Um, but yeah, I still have my, my, uh, my Nevada map is in my truck now and my quote unquote calendar, uh, in case I can't access Onyx, um, I pull that out and that's beneficial. I mean, I've, I've been pretty successful hunting guzzlers and people don't realize that, that yeah, your, your, your canyons of a, a stream of water coming down are taken up by, by trucks, then pull up a guzzler map or Onyx, find a water source and go check it out. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I think you got to have both. And we did a post yeah. about it the other, or some point in the season with, uh, you know, the gazetteer, the, the paper map and yeah. with Onyx, I mean, granted it, that's a game changer. Um, yeah. and especially trying to navigate public private and that kind of stuff. But there's still always, uh, I'll always have a paper map in, in my truck. And it's, it's funny. Mine's torn and ripped and it's something I think mine even says from my uncle, it's like on loan. I've had it for, you know, 20, <laughs> 20 some odd years. It still has, yeah. you know, some of his spots on there that he's, you know, X'd and, and owed and the whole nine yards. So it's, yeah, uh, it's good. Good to have some redundancy with that sort of thing, you know? Yeah, I mean, and you know, it's one of those things. Phones die. Sometimes there's a road that's on a map that's wherever. I mean, so it's never bad to have both. Yeah. Um, All right. We got to talk chucker chases a little bit because I don't want to get uh, too carried away with this, but I got some other questions um, circling back as far as like chucker hunting. You're taking pointers and you're going to be out here chucker hunting soon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the plan. Yeah. I'd love to. I'd love to. Uh, tell me about chucker chasers. So it's funny. It's everything starts as a, as an idea. Um, and there were some buddies who were, you know, had their GoPros and they were making films. And I will, will admit I was pretty hesitant about it. I said, no, they're going to, you know, you're showing off spots and uh, yeah. everyone's going to know where you're hunting. And really it's, if you've been to the area, it's no secret. It's that it, it goes, you know, to, I mean, what I was touching on earlier, of you know, hopefully you switch up your spots. But if you've literally been to that area that you could recognize on film, then it's not a secret. Hopefully you're not posting about it and dropping a pin and sending it out to all these chucker hunters. But, yeah, now you may know where these birds are. Um, so essentially, yeah, from, from YouTube videos, uh, a compilation of those to then, you know, kind of realizing, all right, like this is something bigger than that. Having a brand, um, having a logo and really just pushing this chucker chaser image. Um, you know, I'd say, you know, video started about seven, eight years ago, and then a, a, a business was formed, a, an LLC, in around 2015. Um, and, you know, there was an online presence, there was merchandise, uh, you know, that, that, that we, we kind of, you know, market, you know, hats and shirts and sweatshirts and, and kind of, you know, gear that you could, you know, non-cotton gear that you could actually wear out in the elements and it'll quick dry for you. Um, And then from there, it just kind of like, I mean, organically grew into more than we anticipated. We were doing a a dinner in Reno and that's one thing people don't realize, like like Utah has the uh, Utah Chucker and Wildlife Foundation. Um, There's, uh, and I I was actually there uh, end of February this year for their dinner, um, solely separate from the Chucker Chaser Foundation. Um, and chucker chasers, but uh, Nevada has many chucker dinners. Um, there's one in Humboldt County. There's one in Pershing County. Uh, there's one in Carson. And so the big thing was, why doesn't Reno have one? And so from a, an idea and a concept to videos and a YouTube channel to then a business, uh, we were doing a dinner. And then from that dinner, it was successful. I mean, the first dinner we had, we sold out, had over 100 people there and the dinner in Reno. And then it was like, all right, if people are coming to this and they're donating, contributing, they, there needs to be some incentive to give back. <clears throat> and 
and, and really for the, for those who are the participants, like, you know, whether it's a, you know, for essentially being a tax write off. So, uh, the foundation started and the foundation was mainly for transparency as well. Um, and even before the foundation started, I think in around 2018, it was formed. Um, the, the first money, uh, the, the money raised from the first dinner went to end out department of wildlife. We essentially said here, here you guys go. Um, we want this to go to youth hunter education. And they absolutely fulfilled the, you know, the obligation that we kind of put on them uh, with those funds. And then we had a second year of another successful dinner. And then it was like, all right, this is getting kind of bigger than what we anticipated. And so, yeah, the foundation formed and we just had a, uh, a dinner this year as well in, uh, in mid-February. And it, it, we actually had some party crashers um the the year prior who were from boise idaho and said we need this up in boise and we said all right we'll uh we'll do a chapter affiliation and you're kind of under the umbrella of the chucker chaser foundation the uh, 501 c3 um and so we had actually their dinner uh before the reno dinner this year and it was a huge success i mean a great turnout they, they sold out their event uh, Reno's event was sold out and the biggest thing for us and, and this is something that my dad kind of instilled in me is you know there's a lot of these these kind of foundations and dinners that do pop up but keep the money in the state and so Chucker Chasers is, is obviously its own entity um, in, you know in a segment of that is the foundation um, but all money raised at these dinners stay in the state and they, they go to our biggest thing is the youth chucker hunt um, we've had multiple successful youth chucker hunts in the state of Nevada. And that was the big reason for the party crashers was they wanted a youth chucker hunt in Idaho. And we said, all right, um, you know, under this umbrella uh, with this chapter affiliation, we're supportive of that. And so they did a hell of a job getting it organized and running with the idea and the concept. And they yeah. put on a hell of a hell of an event. Um, they netted uh, around like 10 K and that money, all that money from that specific dinner is staying in Idaho. And our big emphasis, again, is youth trucker hunts. I mean, Alec touched well, on I think, it earlier. I mean, it goes back involved. to kind of uh, almost like what I talked about with the first trucker hunting story, you know, where I had where and probably the same kind of goal that Project Upland has in, in a lot of senses is, you know, getting interaction and getting people involved in the Upland life and the Upland community. And I think yeah. I touched too in the, in the video just on nobody likes – going out and finding somebody in their hunting spot. Yeah. But as a percentage of the population, we're becoming a smaller and smaller segment. And so if we don't engage these youth, if we don't engage people to carry on this tradition, and I mean, it's, it's funny, like you talk to people that are interested in it, but have no family ties, the resources or knowledge base on how to get into it. You know, and I think that's something Project Upland's been very successful at and like a lot of these, you know, social media outlets on getting people, um, you're not going to learn it all in one time. You're going to have to go out, you're going right. to right? But there's resources out there for you to educate yourself and if you want to. And that's kind of what we're trying to provide through the foundation, especially, you know, for, for kids, for youth. And so we've we've done three or four youth hunts here in, in Nevada now. And You've got all all different classes. You've got people, you know, that kids have grown up around shotguns and hunted. And we've had kids out there that have never held a shotgun, never shot a shotgun. And Endow, um, you know, the Department of Wildlife here in Nevada 
provides a safety course, provides a shotgun, trap shoots. You know, they get an opportunity to, you know, chase their planted birds. But, you know, that that same thing to hopefully instill in them uh, at some point that, uh, hey, this is something that I'd like to do. And maybe if it's something I wouldn't like to do, I'd I'd like the opportunity to do it at some point. Yeah. The whole exposure thing. I mean, even being sure. raised around it and then giving it up and then getting back into it, I had all the tools. And so I think that's the biggest thing with our youth chucker hunts is here you guys go. I mean, it's primarily all our money, the money raised from the foundation goes to these youth hunts. And we've partnered with the Department of Wildlife. They provide a safety course. We do our little safety kind of explanation. We do an Upland 101, kind of what you're looking for. Um, you know, I, I kind of cracked, cracked a joke on the, the trifecta, but, you know, as simple as that, you're looking for, you know, you're looking for feed, cover, and water, and you find that, yeah. and you're increasing your odds. You get a bird dog, you're increasing your odds. You have a good pair of boots that you can hike 10 miles, you're increasing your odds. Like, you know, all that kind of comes with it. Um, but if these kids could get exposed to it early, which all, so the board, there's about 15 of us on the, the Chucker Chaser Foundation board. And, you know, kind of as a, a service we provide is that we run all of our bird dogs. And I think that's huge for these kids to be exposed to, too. Many yeah. different types of breeds. They get to hear different hunting stories from everyone. And, yeah, they're planted. But here's an opportunity to see this dog work. It locks up. That's what you're looking for. And, you know, for them to, you know, in a controlled setting, it's just that exposure that I think is crucial. For yeah, you guys nailed it. I mean, exposures, that's key behind everything Project Upland does. I mean, that's... That's the goal is to tell as many stories as we can about as many different people that are in the uplands and expose people to that. We live in kind of a DIY world. You know, it's information overload. The stuff is there if you want it, but in a sense that can be kind of a, you can be stalled. Where do you focus your attention? So you're, you're always trying to get people's attention and expose them to certain things. I mean, you guys know this cause you've, you've been bitten by the bug and you're, you know, you're neck deep into it. Like it, it pulls you in once you show interest in it. No, for, for sure. And a, a lot of times too, it's uh, even for people that may not pull in just a, a simple understanding. Then they know. It, yeah. Right. It's like, Oh yeah, I, I get that now. Yeah. I can, I can see it. And that's what was incredible. Last year we had last fall, uh, we had a, a, a participant youth, a girl participant who didn't feel comfortable with shooting a gun, but just wanted to be walked through it all. And she was there to go to all the stations. We had three stations set up, different guys, different guys and girls, different bird dogs. Um, and, and that's what's unique about the foundation. We're very diverse, diverse in age um, and, and gender um, and those exposed to the uplands. And so at each station that we had last fall, uh, that's what the benefit of these youth get. They get to go to all these stations, hear all these stories, exposure not only to the uplands, but then like the stories behind it and the people behind it. Um, but yeah, there was a, a girl participant who she just didn't feel comfortable with, sh with shooting live birds. I think she shot a trap. We, we tried to do a trap warm up and then yep. that's at, you know, the Department of Wildlife's discretion to say, okay, they're ready, put them in the field. And then we kind of go from there. But so many of us thought that was, you know, what a great, I think it was her uncle who, I, I mean, took the time out of his day to bring his niece and get her exposed. And that was, you know, from trap, from our, you know, to start from the beginning, kind of our safety, the Upland 101 to trap to all three stations. And even our fourth station is the cleaning station. And just like anything, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Same with yeah. cleaning birds. She got yeah. to see, I think like four or five people 
clean birds differently. I mean, that's all part of what we try to do with that exposure too. It's yeah, great. You're out. You get to shoot a gun, hopefully knock a bird down, see a dog work. But then, you know, now you also have to clean it um, and take as much meat of that as you can. Uh, and then, you know, continue on. And I, I thought that was pretty cool that, that she was out there just to see it. Um, and hopefully yeah. she learned a lot just, just from that. That reminds me that there's actually a pretty badass cooking scene in the, in the <laughs> film. You could, that, that makes me hungry, man. Like that, that, like those chucker looked so good cooked in the field. <laughs> it was, uh, it was fun. It's funny. I mean, like that was my dad mostly doing that, that cooking. But like yeah. I said earlier on, my dad didn't used to hunt. My uncle gave yeah. me the opportunity. I got into it. And since then, my dad has become a bigger chucker fanatic than I have. And his, yeah. Alex's dad has a pretty cool story. Uh, but I mean, like my dad hunts more days than I do now. Um, really? Yeah. I mean, like he's, you know, he's a school teacher. He's, you know, got some, some nice vacation time. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah. I and mean, he loves to cook. And my mom always says, you know, he, he lives on Chucker from October till probably like end of Perfect. February. Cause, uh, yeah. pretty much, uh, that's what he, that's what he eats. Uh, he might, his uh, students tell him he's going to turn into a chucker if he keeps uh, eating <laughs> that much, but no, I mean, simple, they're, they're good eating birds. I mean, you know, they're, they're light meat, uh, definitely all natural grass fed, free, yeah, free range, organic, organic, free range. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Gluten free. Yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> pound for pound, depending on how many miles you walk, they may not be right. the most economical birds, yeah. but uh, calorie negative. That that holds true in a lot of upland settings, <laughs> right? But uh, still, though, you know, I mean, worth it. It, it, it definitely worth it, and uh, it's uh, it can be a stress relief, and it's uh, it's always nice when you can put a, a meal like that together, whether in the field or when you get back home, and and typically sit around and tell stories and, and talk about it and whether, you know, yeah. we've got some good stuff even at, yeah. at your place. Well, that's like, it's the experience. So, I mean, it, it's not about killing birds. It is getting your dog on birds. I mean, it's, you don't put all this time and energy and effort into your bird dog and not get them on birds. I mean, that's what they're, they're bred, bred to, to do. And we, we touched on that earlier, but yeah, the, the benefit of hunting with Alec, I mean, Alec is half Spanish. His dad's full Spanish. I mean, he's, we, I call Alec Spaniard. Uh, his dad <laughs> obviously has an accent in, in some of our prior videos. Um, but it was so simple, you know, being out there, just you bring olive oil, like pack, you know, if it's a camp chef or a little Traeger, whatever you have, uh, yeah. you know, and bring olive oil, onions, garlic, uh, baguette. And I mean, just to throw oh, yeah. them on the cast iron. It's little it, cheese. You can get some so roast peppers yeah. with them. I mean, it's yeah. and everything tastes better when you're outside. And I think anybody yeah, that's ever sure. eaten a camp meal, and, and we've yeah. talked about it too. I mean, you could make a sandwich out there with no cheese, no mayo, no mustard, and it tastes amazing. You yeah, make that on a good. Tuesday at work, <laughs> and you're like, "This is horrible <laughs> sandwich." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But when you're yeah. when you're hungry, man, there's no uh, there's nothing better. It, and even the the, ben, the benefit of coming together at the end of the day and, and, and breaking bread that way is, you know, you hear about everyone's stories because the way we hunt is, you know, you get to a spot and you're hunt, not hunting side by side. You're like, all right, look at that ridge. You know, it looks quote unquote incredible. Uh, you take that or, you know, look at that ridge over there. You know, I'm going to walk. I think I'm going to walk this way. And you, the whole time you're out, you're planning it, you know, you're planning it, driving out there. And then as soon as you get in that canyon, uh, you're kind of like, all right, you know, if, if you're there with a few buddies or, or, you know, you and another buddy, you kind of pinpoint like what your plan of attack is going to be. And the yep. worst is when at you're that time, plan, are you going to be back at the truck? That's oh, very yeah. crucial. It is so good to communicate. We've had a few 
few funny stories to laugh at now. Uh, but it's so crucial to communicate like, all right, guys, you know, we got out to the mountain at like eight or nine, 10, whatever it is. Let's plan to be back at two, three, um, you know, check your radio. Does everyone got a copy? Some people don't like hunting in radios. Uh, if you don't like hunting in radios, you clearly hunt with a yapper. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, maybe it's your hunting buddy, uh, is, you know, the root cause for that. But radios are crucial because, you know, there's times I, you know, pick a spot and I'm like, all right, guys, I'm heading, you know, south and, you know, and I'm just cruising. And just the fact that maybe they picked up that I'm heading south, if I get lost, they at least know the direction I was heading last time I communicated. Um, but, you know, with, with going out, we just we pick different areas and different ridges. And, you know, end of the day, then we all come back to the truck and you start cooking up the food and, you know, you know, crack a beer, have some bread while you're waiting for the chucker to cook up and you're hearing all these stories, you know, how'd your dog do, you know, did good on good, good points, good how, retrieves. How'd you shoot? Yeah, how'd you shoot? Normally the yeah. only answer is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> terrible. Yeah. Been you there. Know, but it's, I mean, and you know, everybody has a different story, which is I think half the fun, right? Is you come back and whether you're camping or cooking or whatnot, you can sit around the campfire and, and go for, you know, for as long as you need, just, telling stories about the day. Yeah. I'm certain there's a lot of people nodding their head listening to this as I am. Cause that's uh, you guys are hitting on some of the, you know, the key reasons we do this whole thing. I mean, it's, it's fun to, you know, one of the things that I don't know if it was Damon or Alec in the, in the film, but you said something that resonated with me and that's, you know, when you're out there, you are, you're kind of craving that moment where you're, wholly in that moment you know the the dog's on point the birds are flushing you're not thinking about anything else at that point distractions are gone it's laser focus and i think in our basically our our world is built on distractions at this point so anything that can pull you out of that kind of pull you out of your own head and and narrow your focus like like chucker hunting or any kind of upland hunting for that matter love that stuff yeah no and, and that was alec who said that in the film i mean i think you're truly dialed in when you when you get to that point and yeah. I mean, I, I tell people it's my sanctuary. When I'm out there, it's my sanctuary. Like yeah. Sometimes I'll stop and pause for a moment and say, you know, who, who else has stepped here? Uh, you know, oh, to, yeah. took the, the couple seconds to just, you know, appreciate what we have, uh, reflect on, on whatever you want to reflect on. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're just dialed in. I mean, all you're focused about, I mean, safety is always important, but hopefully who you hunt with, that's, you know, kind of second nature. Um, yeah. but why I like big game or why I like upland hunting over big game is you could enjoy it more. I mean, you, you know, someone to the Canyon next to you is hunting, you know, chasing birds and he, he or she have, have their bird dogs running as well. Um, and if you hear a blast over in the next Canyon, you're kind of like, Oh, I mean, come on, where are these birds? Why? You know, I yeah. Up, yeah. That's canyon. the first thought. <laughs> then the um, second and, thought is, all right, at least Alex getting some shooting. It, exactly. Right? And that's, you know, it's promising. And sometimes <laughs> the like benefit of, yeah. And that's what's awesome too is like when you hear that first shot, you're like, God, God damn it. But then yep. you're like, cool, <laughs> someone's on the board. And then if you're yeah. with, you know, more than another buddy and you hear it come through in their voice, you're like, ah, oh, shit, you know, so and so is on the board. Um, but yeah. it's just, you it's know, a communal you're effort, right. though. Communal <laughs> effort, man. It, it, yeah. it, it truly is. I mean, but it's just, you know, with, with Alex saying that in the video about kind of being in, in the moment and that focus. Um, that's really what it's all about. You forget about work. You forget about certain obligations. I mean, you tell your, your loved ones, uh, your, you know, your kids or, you know, whoever like, Hey, I'm going hunting today. And it's cool. Like, that's just it. 
I mean, you're, you're hunting. I and, think that's why everybody wants it to be hunting season now because, yeah. you know, the yeah. news and what's going on in the world. And, I mean, yeah. anybody, I mean, you can just drive yourself crazy. And when you're, when you're out there, you just don't think about anything. And, and so yeah. that's the, the benefit of, of, of chasing birds. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Chucker Chasers Foundation. So you guys are putting on these youth hunts. I mean, did we miss anything in that? I just, I, I don't want to overlook that. No, I mean, yeah. I think it's, that's something that's grown later. Um, you know, we started yeah. with just the company and we still have that section of it. But, uh, you know, like Damon said before, we want to be through a foundation, something that gives back to that local community that gives to it. And, yeah. you know, we've just seen stuff being involved in other organizations where, that doesn't always happen, you know, where yeah. stuff goes someplace that you're right. It's not, and it's not a bad thing, right. But someplace that you may never, you know, go or hunt or benefit from. Yeah. Uh, so this was just kind of an easy way to take account for it and go, Hey, this is, this is from here. This is from you guys. And this is going to stay here in your community and, and go from there and hopefully yeah. get people involved in future generations so that, uh, when, when we're old and gray, there are, uh, you know, opportunities for us to still chase birds on, on public lands, even if uh, we can't walk quite as many miles. And I think that's, I mean, truly what it is, it's community. I mean, we've touched on it on a few topics we've talked about, but I mean, it's, it's everyone coming together. Um, and, and I think it's pretty impressive that from an idea, from a concept, um, you know, from having beers and food after a hunt and, and just talking about it has evolved into, into where everything is today and, and what Project Upland is, has amounted to. And, uh, you know, telling those stories is, uh, is, is what's going to continue to allow uh, the Upland tradition. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, you guys uh, definitely keep doing what you're doing. It's it's really cool to see, and um, I'm certainly glad Will got to spend a few days with you to capture a, to capture a trucker hunt. Because uh, again, for anybody that hasn't seen it yet, the scenery is phenomenal. Um, Will always does an awesome job. Like like we were joking before we started recording. I mean, he could make anything look cool, but uh, that trucker hunt that you guys did was it it looked awesome, and it makes me want to get out west. That's for sure. Come out west. Come out west. Uh, we'll get we'll get Will out and uh, we'll make you hike some uh, some big mountains. Yeah, that sounds good. I gotta get out. I gotta get uh, get my legs in shape. <laughs> that's half of it. That's half. Well, of that's it. what we we joked with Will if he was ready, and and we were pretty impressed that he he kept up with us. So. Yeah, he's kind of a horse. I think he can he can go pretty good. Uh, where where can people go to to learn more about Chucker Chasers? See your gear, the foundation, everything. Where where should they go? So chuckerchasers.com. Uh, obviously, you know, a lot of people follow us on Instagram. There is a separate Instagram account for the foundation itself. Um, cool. and then the YouTube channel, uh, for Chucker Chasers has, has, has some of our prior videos. Um, but yeah, I mean the, the hats, the shirts, the gears, gears on Chucker Chasers, um, you know, Lowlands Knives is a local company that, that you know, we, we push their knives out. Uh, you know, some of the things we try to offer are, uh, you know, equipment that can be used, first lights on there. Uh, you know, a lot of their gear holds up throughout the elements of chasing birds and uh, will we'll actually last more than just a season. Um, so, yeah, chuckerchasers.com. I got to ask you this before we go. Yeah. What kind of boots do you guys wear? Oh, man. We've, we've tried all, <laughs> all sorts of, of <laughs> boots. I mean, I think it's one of the most important pieces of uh, equipment that you can invest yeah. in. You know what I mean? It's kind of like that's like the dog question, you know. What what's the best dog? Which one to go? But with? boots don't have feelings. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah, dogs get pretty emotional. I think when I tell Rye, he's he's not as good as my last dog. 
<laughs> it, uh, he hears pretty, that. Oh yeah, tear drops. Um, so you know, Lathrop and Sons, uh, they, they were great with us. They, they provided us, us some boots, um, and we were running those for a few years, but they were heavy. Um, I'll admit, you know, and the, the waterproofing at times didn't hold up. I mean, when you're out chasing chucker, it's and if you're doing it three days a week, you're beating yep. the hell out of them. I mean, a lot of like the truly a lot of the uh, the elements of chucker hunting, you're you're beating the hell out of your boots, and and they might be yeah. Gore-Tex or some other type of waterproofing system, and they they may or may not hold up. Yeah. Um, all, last season, I ran crispy, uh, crispy Nevadas held up pretty well for me. Um, and, but I'll echo what Alex said. I mean, I've got a pair of Mendel's, uh, the Cabela's ones. I mean, I switch my boots up though. Um, and I think I'll run different boots early season when it's dry and warm, as opposed to late season when it's cold and snowy and wet. Uh, and so I, and I think that's something too, that early on, uh, you know, I would just run like the Danner pronghorns and I'd beat them up in like a year, year and a half. And my dad would yeah. yell at me. He's like, how did you crush well, a pair of boots again? duct tape on? <laughs> yeah, I had duct tape <laughs> on actually. I duct taped them at one point because they were just falling apart. So I think depending on how much you're out and how much you do it, there's definitely like anything else, you know, there's a tool yeah. for the job and you need to be able to look at it. And there's definitely some good boot manufacturers out there. It is crucial though. To so yeah, I mean I'll echo what Alex said. Like just like bird dogs, it, it really depends on what what fits your foot. I mean everyone's different, and you know you yeah. might have a larger left foot than right foot. I mean who knows? I, just, I do. Yeah, but it's just you know it all depends. Um, but I will admit, and, and Alec runs. You know he he, he tends to, to switch out two boots at a time. And you know if he hunts, and correct me if I'm wrong, but one day he wears a boot, the next day you switch out that. Oh no, boot. that's that's my dad. My dad who gave me so much crap for running through like pronghorns in a season now has like five different boots that he'll cycle through <laughs> and he'll run whatever depending on the thing and you know he's he's like a boot fanatic now and you know he yeah. comes from that that old school spanish country and there's you know the robert laxalt sweet promised land book which is kind of a, a nevada requirement reading in in college <laughs> and they talk about the bass sheep herders that a, a pair of boots that would have lasted in the old country a lifetime they'll last six months in Nevada because uh, oh, yeah. it's just harsh, rocky territory. My dad never got it till he started chucker hunting. He goes, I understand why I get it you now. can <laughs> rip up boots like you do. But one thing I did learn this season is uh, if you have extra boots, which I do, throw one in your truck because it is the worst when you go out and hunt and you <laughs> don't have that pair of boots. Uh, and there was a buddy, uh, actually kind of, you know, just an, an individual who had reached out and was coming back from Idaho and wanted to chase birds. And I said, Oh yeah, you know, I'm going to this area and it was no secret, uh, where I was going. It was a new spot for me. And sure as shit, I looked like the inexperienced chucker hunter because all I had were my uh, Pumas and the store, <laughs> the, the, the uh, hardware store, boot store slash boot store didn't have hunting boots or hiking boots. And so I just uh, threw on an extra pair of wool socks and laced those Pumas up pretty tight. And I probably trekked 12 miles that day in shoes I had hiking or tennis shoes that I had since 2012. Um, I had to throw How'd they hold up. I had to throw them away after the fact. <laughs> they had no soles, uh, and the laces were torn by the end of the day. But I did did, did get into birds uh, multiple areas that day, and it was it was a good day considering. But yeah, if you, where, you have extra, where there's a will, the where there's a will, there's a way. Yeah. <laughs> 
at least that pair of shoes kind of got, you know, it went, they went out in style. That's Absolutely. true. That's all we can hope for, <laughs> for any of us, right? <laughs> that is absolutely correct. All right, man. Well, thank you guys for joining me on the podcast. This has been a blast. I, uh, I truly enjoyed this one. Uh, definitely people need to go check out the film. It'll be live when they hear this episode of the podcast. So go do that. Check out Chucker Chasers YouTube. We'll drop links in the show notes and all that good stuff. Thanks again, guys. Appreciate it. Hopefully this won't be the last time we talk. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Thanks. You guys too. Take care. All right. Cheers. Later. That's it for this episode of the Project Upland Podcast. Thank you for listening, everybody. Quick reminder, the Project Upland Podcast is brought to you by Onyx Hunt, Yukonubo Premium Performance Dog Food, Gumleaf USA, CZ USA, Turnbull Restoration, and Dakota 283 Kennels. Don't forget, you could be next week's winner of the podcast giveaway. All you have to do is leave us a rating. Leave the podcast a review in your podcast app, subscribe to the podcast, share the podcast, or send us some feedback or guest suggestion. Thank you for listening, everybody. We'll catch you on the next episode. Onyx Hunt is the number one hunting GPS app. Join millions of other hunters who trust Onyx Hunt to find more game, discover new access, and hunt smarter. Onyx Hunt shows you nationwide public and private land boundaries. They've got topographic and 3D maps. You can track your route, location, and elevation profile. You can save maps for offline use and take Onyx Hunt with you wherever you go. The most comprehensive hunting tool you'll own Download the Onyx Hunt app today and use the promo code BSP20 to save 20% on your next Onyx Hunt subscription. Know where you stand with Onyx. Hey everyone, this is Nick from the Gundog It Yourself podcast. If you enjoyed this show, then you might want to check out my show as well. We highlight and break down the ins and outs of training your own hunting dog. Whether it's a bird dog or even the occasional hound dog episode, we cover all topics related to hunting dogs. Check out Gundog It Yourself on any podcast streaming platform and hit the subscribe button to be sure not to miss any future episodes.